Well, let's begin our time looking briefly at God's Word. And tonight, um, we're looking at a verse from Genesis 16, which, God willing, we will be looking at in our morning service. And I want to look at verse 2, uh, chapter 16, verse 2 of Genesis. And it says, So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. So the, 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 the phrase that we want to look at tonight is when Sarah, looking at a lifetime of childlessness, she interprets it this way. She says, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. And it's a good observation that she makes. Now, she has a bad response, um, but I want to look at just her good observation when she says that the Lord has kept her from having children. And what we see is, is, this, is this is one of many data points in the Bible that tell us about God's providence. Many places in the Bible that tell us about the providence of God. How it says in, in the Westminster Confession, chapter 5, which is an excellent summary of the teaching of Scripture, it says, God does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least. God controls everything from the greatest to the least, all creatures, all actions. And what we see is this as we, as we look through the Scriptures. We see that God controlling all things, as he's doing that, he's doing all that he pleases. God does all that he pleases. Places like Daniel 4.35, it says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. The Lord does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? The Lord does all that he pleases. It, it's just, he's, he's unstoppable. It is definitive. It will happen if he wills it. We also see, though, that this, this takes us into some areas that are maybe not so easy to accept. Not only does God control all of the triumphs, all of the things that are manifestly good and welcomed, he also wills things that aren't so welcome to us. He, he even says that he wills the deaths of the little creatures. Jesus, Matthew 10, 29. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? Now we know that Jesus cares about sparrows. To men, sparrows are worthless. They, they sell for a pittance. But God cares about them. But within the realm of his care, it says, when they fall to the ground, it's not apart from the Father's will. So he even wills the death of these little creatures. We also see that in God's, the scope of God's providence over all things, the welcome things and the unwelcome things, God also wills the rise of the wicked. He wills the ascension to power of wicked people. Romans 9.17 is just one of many examples of this. For the, scriptures, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up. 
that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Pharaoh was wicked. Pharaoh was godless. Pharaoh did great harm to God's people. And yet God says, I am the one who's raised you up. I have purposes in it, but you only have power. You only have sway. You're only in this place because I raised you up. We also see this in in God's providence. God controls the disobedient acts and even the unbelief of people. Why do people disobey God? Why do people not believe? Well, they have their own will. They have their own responsibility. They exercise agency. And at the same time, God controls the disobedience and God controls the unbelief of people. This is in many places in the Bible. A long, concentrated discussion of this is in Romans 9, 10, and 11. One, one verse from uh, Romans eleven thirty two. God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. It says God committed those people to their disobedience. But then he says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And what he's saying in this is, I'm presenting you with something that's very clear, but you can't fully understand how it could be. That God would commit some to disobedience and that somehow it would show the depths of both his wisdom, his judgment, and his mercy. We, we have certain things about this doctrine where we need to just bow our heads and acknowledge and worship him. Now, we talk about God's providence. We talk about his providence in doing the wonderful and in doing the things that we find to be very wretched. And there are things that God has withheld from you. Sarai says, God has restrained me from having children. God has withheld a child from me. The question for us with this, when you think about all of your life and the fact that God has controlled it, is this. What has God withheld from you? Is there something, a child that he's withheld from you? Prosperity of some sort? A partner that you've wanted and maybe that you actually need? What has God withheld from you? Well, I, I can tell you this. I can tell you what God didn't withhold from you. And that is he didn't withhold his son. And, and as you look at the bitterness of what God has withheld from you, you also want to know that he's given you something. He's given you his son. He did not withhold him. And this, this is yet another example. The giving of his son is yet another example of God's providence controlling the wicked, controlling what's withheld from us. Acts 2.23, it says, Him, Christ Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Do you see what that verse is saying? It's putting together both man's choice to do evil and God's sovereign determination that it be done. It says Christ Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God to be crucified by wicked men. We stumble that God has providentially controlled the sins of people, but is somehow blameless for their sin and for their unbelief. It's a stumbling block for us. The great sin 
The crucifixion of Jesus was by the determined purpose of God. Now, how do we apply this? What, what do we make of this? Well, here's one thing that we can make of it. It's difficult. It is hard when people sin against you. We don't understand how it could be that God sinlessly is controlling that sin. But we do know this. It does not mean that God doesn't know or doesn't care about being sinned against. Sarai was denied a son, but God himself lost a son because of the sins of others. Jesus was sinned against. He knows what it is to have sin brought against him. He knows what it means to be wronged. And so when you, when you put the gospel with the teaching of God's providence, when you take the gospel and you put it, pair it with God's sovereignty, the cross, there's this mystery, but the cross can give you a comfort and a confidence when God allows sin. The cross should give you a comfort and a confidence when God allows sin to come against you. And the cross should give you comfort and a confidence when God withholds something good from you, something that you've been waiting for and asking for. The wrong, that great wrong, the loss of Christ, it resulted in the greatest good for the world. It resulted in salvation. And if that's the case, that that sin that God had sovereign purposes for resulted in the greatest good of the world, then you can be confident that whatever wrong, whatever loss God allows or permits or purposes for you, that also can bring great gain, even great good for you.